This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Big Show brought to you each and every day by Big O Tires. Big O Tires knows tires and auto repair can be an unexpected expense. That's why they offer no credit needed financing with pay-nothing-today options. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Gordon, it's NBA Assist Time. Shall we do it? Yeah. Eric? It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Find him on Twitter at Howard Beck. Read his stuff at Sports Illustrated. And uh, he's got a really fun piece it had me thinking all kinds of thoughts today uh, about coaches and their legends, uh, where they fit in with player legends and things like that. Howard, the first thing I want to start with, though, today with you is Gordon and I were talking earlier, and I co-host a, a show each week that uh, focuses on movies. And there's a bunch of movies out this week that are from all different genres. What's a genre that if you just show up to a movie theater tonight, Howard, and based on genre only, you're going to pick that movie? Ooh. Based on genre only. You know nothing other than the genre of the movie, yes. Um, suspense, like suspense mystery, somewhere in that zone. Yeah. I gotcha, gotcha. Something that makes you think who done it the whole time. Yeah. Where are you on Yeah. Where are you on comedies? Oh, for sure. I just I, you know, I, I think I think those are so hit and miss. I mean obviously yes. every genre you can probably find, say hit and miss, right? But um yeah, no, I love a good comedy for sure. Um I can't remember the last time I was actually in a movie theater. So, uh, you know, let me know what that's like. <laughs> They're opening it up back here, and it's – it's. there are certain movies you've got to see at the theater, I think. Okay, but, do we, yeah, but Howard, if I were to ask you the question that everybody always wants to ask, and it's so hard to answer, best movie you ever saw? Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> Gordon takes a couple weeks off. He comes back, and the first thing I've got is, like <laughs> – well, he, I, I gotta, I've gotta identify like a, like the, like one of, this is one of those like you know life defining like everybody will think of you a certain way for the rest of your life based on the movie you choose. But we're ready to tweet it out. Yes, you uh, can change your mind. That's all right. Why is it Babe Pig in the City? <laughs> Home Alone Two. No, 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 no. Lost in New York. We yeah. know Howard well enough. I bet it is one of those movies. That makes you stop and think, and uh, maybe changes your view of uh, important aspects of life. You tell me, Babe Pig in the City didn't do that for you? <laughs> no. Open your heart, Gordon no, Monson. I, didn't. I don't know. I I always appreciate how much Gordon builds up my my image <laughs> to look way beyond what is actually justified. <laughs> I look. I'll, I'll, how about how about this? I'll just give you like there are the movies that when I'm flipping around as we all do occasionally out of boredom and you stop on it, you find it like you have to watch it every, every time. And like, not necessarily my favorites of all time, but like, these are movies that I absolutely every single time I will watch the untouchables every single time. Ooh, Good answer. Um, I will watch, 
I will watch at least some part of Shawshank every single oh, time. Good one. Um, like those are just it's it's impossible not to. Um, it's too easy to say Die Hard, <laughs> but that's one that's in there too. How about the God, um, How about like, the Godfather? You know what's funny? The Godfather movies um, came out at a time that I probably was too young for them, mm-hmm. and then so I've only ever seen them on TV and at a stage where it just it didn't it didn't take in the same way. And so, like it's I I understand they're definitely they're classics, especially the, the first one, um, but it it's not. For whatever reason, like that's not as much in my um, like embedded in my my psyche as much as say like Goodfellas is. If we're going to uh, talk mob okay. movies, okay. Well, one thing's for sure: your Citizen, answers. Citizen Kane is out of the question. Then I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was uh, 65 when I watched that back <laughs> in, uh, back <laughs> in oh, eight. Whatever. <laughs> uh, your answers, whatever you say, are always going to be more sophisticated than Chris Mannix. So that's you can count on that. <laughs> well, that's a very low bar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I didn't mean to start this whole uh, off-season type convo, but let's move on to some basketball. <laughs> the Jazz. Sure. Have uh, Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets tonight. Nikola Jokic is so great and so fun to watch. Gordon, though, brought up an interesting thought. Do you think there's people out there that don't enjoy watching Nikola Jokic play? I suppose maybe there is. A, and, and, and if we're going to take this recent conversation of all the pushback on him as MVP and all the people trying to steer it away from him, maybe that's some indication of a lack of, of appreciation or acceptance or something about Jokic's greatness. So I think that that exists. I, I cannot imagine that anybody who considers themselves a true basketball fan would not like watching Jokic. Now, if you're a jazz fan and he's carving up your team tonight, <laughs> as he did the last time, I will understand if, if you don't exactly um, enjoy it, but I think you would appreciate the, the high-level basketball uh, IQ and the artistry and the skill and all of that. I do think that some part of the discussion about uh, around Jokic is about the fact that he doesn't fit our prototype. You know, we're used to, you know, for everybody who came up on, you know, if you came up on Magic and Bird or Dr. J, there's a certain, you know, image of what a superstar looks like. And then certainly from the Jordan generation on forward through Kobe and LeBron, we have a certain image of what a dominant NBA player looks like and plays like. And, you know, they dunk hard and they fly through the air and they preen and they, they put it in your face and they, they want to rip your heart out and everything. They don't look like big doughy seven footers um, who like, he's kind of goofy, kind of bashful. He's got this kind of funny, uh, you know, self-deprecating sense of humor. Like there's nothing about him that screams, you know, you know, alpha dog, right? Like we're used to, we like, we want our NBA stars to be these like just, killers right yeah, yeah and, he looks like a professional beer pong guy that's <laughs> yeah, you're right he's a, big, he's a big teddy bear like so there's just something about him that and then besides that he's a center who doesn't dominate in the old school way you know the, the Shaquille O'Neal school of just put people through the rim he can work inside certainly but he shoots threes he passes he passes at a level that we've rarely seen in this league I mean, he's, he, he is the best passing big man of all, big man of all time. Like that is already, I think, a given. And he's one of the best passers in NBA history, period, of any position. And I, that's not hyperbole. That is that is just you ask people who've been around the game for decades, they will tell you that. And so, if, if you can't appreciate that, I I don't know what to tell you. I think I think if people are are 
not appreciating that they haven't actually watched, like, or they haven't watched much, because there's plenty to be entertained by there, even if he's not flying through the air and dunking on fools. You know, the context of that conversation was exactly what you were saying. He's a terrific to watch. I think he's a fantastic player. And I, I agree with you, Howard. I don't know how anybody can appreciate it, regardless of what your expectation for the ultimate basketball player is. He's just a gas to watch and to appreciate. But like you say, tonight, uh, Rudy Gobert probably might not be appreciating everything he can do. But I wanted to get caught up with you, Howard, about I ask you this every time we have you on, and I missed last time, but uh, uh, as your opinion of the Jazz, uh, is it the same place it, it always has been? You just need more information before you make any kind of proclamation, or have you had a eureka moment where anything's different? Yeah, I mean, nothing much has changed, and obviously they've been dealing with some injuries, and so you know, I'm not going to put stock in too much of what's going on while they've been missing guys either. Um, I, you know, I think we're in the same place. I, I think, and that's the thing. Like, even in a shortened NBA season, seasons long. <laughs> so, you know, oh, hold on. Let me dis- dispense with this call. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I, the season's long, and so he'll call you, know, you back, Mannix. Calm down. <laughs> it's, unless something dramatic happens, there's not much that's going to change your view of a team. Um, you know, sometimes a team will take a, a, a leap at some point. Something clicks, you know, or there's a big addition, uh, you know, the trade deadline. Um, somebody goes down with an injury. I, we've pretty much known who the Jazz were since the first month. And I don't know that there's been much new to learn about them along the way. As I've been saying, you know, throughout this season, we will not really learn what we need to know about them in, in terms of their ultimate potential until they actually get into a playoff series. Yeah. And the fortunate thing is that's coming very soon now. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate thing is we have no idea who they'll play because there's a play-in tournament now, and there's still a lot of fluidity to the standings, and the Jazz themselves have not established for sure where they're going to finish. They could still be, you know, uh, first or second. And, and so um, what that first test will be, who will present that first test, we, you know, we, we, we won't know until uh, after the play-in tournament. Where's your current confidence level on a team like the Los Angeles Lakers? Pretty low. Pretty low. Um, You know, seeing LeBron come back after however many weeks it was and then immediately go out again and miss multiple games, not encouraging. Uh, Seeing Anthony Davis the other night, um, you know, crash into the, the, you know, the table there and what looked like was going to be a a sprained ankle but instead ends up being back spasms. Mm In addition to the other things that he's already gone through, not great. I think he's playing tonight. But, you know, a a really important game tonight against the Trailblazers. And here the Lakers are with a a hobbled Anthony Davis, no LeBron, no Dennis Schroeder who's in protocols. And there's six games left. So, you know, that's very little time for LeBron and Anthony Davis to get acclimated with Andre Drummond, who's, you know, been starting at center since, you know, before, you know, since, since, you know, during the time that LeBron was injured for the most part, um, they're, they're, they're in, in, in tough shape. And the thing is, we've always all kind of, you know, gone to this default place of, well, as long as they're healthy in the playoffs, they're still the best team. Well, I think that's true, but the, if they're healthy is, is now, you know, in question. I don't, I don't know how healthy they're going to be, and they will have had very little time to get a rhythm going again. So the play-ins tournament may actually suit them well because it might give them the practice that they need with each other before they get into a real series. 
So the Lakers being in the condition they're in right now, Howard, if if I were to ask you uh, to gaze into your crystal ball and tell us where the champion is ultimately going to come from, the East or the West, would you go East? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. It, it's hard to say East versus West. You know, I, I just, to me, the, you know, the, the, like the, the Clippers to me right now are the team I would have the most confidence in, in the West if I had to pick a team in the West. But even as I say that, I know that they've had their injury issues and they're still trying to find a rhythm with, you know, guys who are in different roles now than they were a month ago. Um, you know, Utah and Phoenix have had the, the best health overall of the contenders in the West and therefore the most continuity. So they know each other best in a season like this. Maybe that's what carries you through. And the, the East, you know, everybody's been focusing on, on Brooklyn the whole time. I'm not that confident in Brooklyn because of the, the very, uh, you know, scant amount of time that their stars have, have played with each other. Harden is still out right now. Like, you know, the, the volatility with them is even higher than with the Lakers, given how little time that their stars have played together and how many injuries they've gone through. So, you know, um, it's, I, I, I can't pick East or West because I can't even tell you which two teams. You know, if I if somebody put me on the spot the other day, and I think I just said, uh, you know, Clippers and Milwaukee. You know, um, that sounds as good as any other combination, <laughs> I suppose. But I, I, I have no confidence in any particular prediction right now. The fact that you don't is actually good news, I think. You know, because yes. you, you watch this stuff as much as anybody, Howard. And if you don't know... Uh, it's a good thing. There are some years where you can pencil it in before the season even starts. We just went through a period of time where people were, you know, kind of kind of irritated with the fact that you that the Warriors seemed automatic, and for a four-year span there, the Warriors and Cavs were automatic, and that had never happened. And you know, it, it gave us a lot of entertaining moments in the finals, and you know, a great rivalry to an extent. You know, and Steph versus LeBron, and, and that's you know, those are era-defining era stars. But yeah, it felt too predictable. And so the fact that you can sit here right now and say that there are, you know, I, I think three teams in the East. Any one of them comes out of the East, we, we would be would not be surprised. They're all legit, and there are four or five in the West. That has to be healthy overall. That is, and especially if if you're the kind of fan who, um, you know, would like to see somebody other than LeBron James or you know other than some of the stars we've seen year in year out. Howard, while we have you, before we let you go, I do want to touch on your latest uh, at Sports Illustrated. And Gordon, listen to these sources in this piece about uh, coaches and and their uh, attachment to players. You hear from Shaq, Isaiah Thomas. Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon, Rick Carlisle, Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, and Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe all in one piece here. Well, they're, all, they're all in Howard's Rolodex. I, was I mean, say. Are, are, are not Rolodex. Uh, yeah, well, you know you, that doesn't reveal age at all, the, the Rolodex. But, <laughs> Howard, this, uh, this idea of coaching mattering, but do coaches themselves still be – are they still held to that stardom like a Pat Riley was or a Phil Jackson – I want to know where this idea came from. What made you think of this? Because it's fascinating to me. Thank you. The story has been like a year in the making. And it was, you know, I actually started reporting this when I was still at my last job. Um, and then it got, you know, thrown on pause by the, by the shutdown, by the pandemic. But it just had occurred to me at some point that LeBron a year ago was on his way potentially to the finals again, where he would win a fourth championship. And if he did, 
it was going to be with Frank Vogel, and it just kind of struck me that, man, here he is. Like people kept talking about, well, he's going to be the first guy to win championships with three different franchises or, or lead three different franchises. And I thought, well, that's interesting. That's unprecedented, but I, it, it just got me thinking about the fact that it would be with different coaches too. And then in the midst of all that, the last dance comes out and it just kept hammering it home to me. Like there's Phil and Michael, Michael and Phil, six championships over eight years, this long run together. And at the end of every championship, those guys are hugging. Michael swears by Phil. Michael doesn't want to be coached by anybody but Phil. And that was the dynamic back in the day. Isaiah and Chuck Daly had, had this tight bond, and they're the reason. Their partnership is a lot of the reason why the Pistons win two championships. And Akeem and Rudy Tomjanovich had this really tight relationship, and their, their relationship is at the core of the Rockets' two championships. Magic and Pat Riley, you know, Russell and Auerbach back in the day. Um, Phil and Kobe Bryant. Phil and Shaquille O'Neal. And so here it is. LeBron's got three title or four titles with three coaches and Kawhi Leonard's got two titles with two coaches. And if, and if the Clippers were to win this year, Kawhi would have three championships with three different coaches. Kevin Durant got his two with the Warriors and then he left. And if he wins this year, it's with a different coach. And the only still, you know, example of that old school model where a coach and a superstar are at the core of a, of a, of a, a repeat champion or, you know, a, a, a dynasty or a mini dynasty is, is Steve Kerr and Steph Curry. And I thought, well, their relationship's interesting and enduring, and there's something to examine there. But I, I think it's also the, you know, they're the, the exception that proves the rule. And it'd be interesting to, to use that to look at this trend that in this era of shorter contracts and all this superstar mobility, that the superstar coach bond has just kind of gone away. It's not part of this, the game anymore, except for Steve Kerr and Steph Curry. And so I just thought it was, it, it, it was an observation. I, it's not even like a judgment. Like, I don't know if it's good, bad, or otherwise. It's just, it's just interesting to me that this, this old school model, this, this, this archetype um, that existed for decades seems to be fading. And what does that mean for the game and for the players? And so that's, that was the basis of the story. I wonder if it, if it were built from the ground up, if it might be reestablished. Cause I was, trying to think of like if the, if the jazz were to win a championship uh quinn snyder would uh, he and donovan mitchell maybe or it, maybe if you have two superstars if, if you want to include rudy gobert and on that maybe maybe the coach gets crowded out i i'm not exactly sure either well i, I think it's a combination of things and some of this is 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 circular right where to have that first, you need like the, the, the way I drew it up. It's, it's more about multiple championships, right? So even though I interviewed Rick Carlisle and he had a good relationship with Dirk, they won one together. And I was more focused on like the teams that have defined eras, right? Mm-hmm. So the Bulls of the '90s and the Lakers of the '80s. Larry Bird, by the way, a big exception. Larry Bird won his his three titles with two different coaches with the Celtics. But most of the dynasties and, and, and mini dynasties, as I, as I call the ones that had just two two titles, were one definable superstar and, and one coach. So let's say that, that the Jazz win win it all this year. Um, if they were to win another one in the next couple of years, and it's still Quinn and it's still Donovan Mitchell, and especially because of the, the role that, that Mitchell plays, right? He is more of the, the – the, uh, fits the, the, the prototype of, like, the superstar who kind of drives the, the, the train because – He's got the ball in his hands, and he's a scorer. So it's probably him more than, than Rudy. Like you, and, and besides that, the coach and the 
whoever your primary ball handler is, whether it's a point guard or whether it's a you know, player like LeBron, like that relationship matters a lot because you need to be on the same page, the guy who's controlling the offense and the coach. So it probably would be Quinn and Donovan, but also, all right, well, how, how tight are they? How tight will they grow over that time? Um, how much do those championships bond you together? And, you know, again, it's just kind of, you know, it, it's only that we, we, we can only define these things in retrospect after the fact and look back and say, oh, yes, you know, Magic and Pat Riley had this, this incredible bond. It's partially because of everything they went through, both the, the, the successes and the failures. Um, but at the end of it all, they have all these titles together, and, and, it, and it really did bond them for life. He's Howard Beck. He joins us each and every Friday at 4 o'clock for the NBA Daily Assist. Howard, thanks so much. We'll do it again next week. Jake will be back, so I'll uh, I'll talk to you just from behind the yeah, glass. Did you hear about that, Howard? Jake had a baby girl. Uh, congrats, Jake. Yeah. Make sure to pass along my, uh, my warm wishes and uh, look forward to speaking to you guys next week. Thanks, Howard. One of the best. Howard Beck, good guy and great journalist, great writer. Doesn't know much about movies. Doesn't. <laughs> I, I like his. Hours. I like his approach to movies. Actually, yeah. it's not. Don't take it all too seriously. But he does like the, <laughs> the who done it, think it through stuff. Huh? Yeah, that's good. Uh, when I get the carpets and tile cleaned, it's never just clean. It's zero res clean, and I won't have it any other way. I tell you, just thirty three dollars per room cleaned. You deserve the best. You deserve zero res. Schedule with zero res today. More of the big show coming up next. Affordable. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. Jazz have the Nuggets tonight. No Donovan Mitchell, no Mike Conley. However, the Jazz did release a statement about Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he was reevaluated by the team's medical staff today for a sprained ankle he sustained against the Pacers on the 16th of April. He continues to make progress towards a return and will be reevaluated in, say it with me, one week. Sam Amick was on the big show yesterday. He talked about what needs to change in the NBA conversation before Rudy Gobert gets his due for being MVP candidate. Just in general, we are guilty of, as fans and media of having preconceived notions about what an MVP looks like. And with Rudy, it's the fact that he's a you know, defense first player. Um, you know, and with Jokic, it's the fact that he's a, a big that plays like a point guard. It's just we are, you know, used to the Michael Jordan, LeBron James model, Chris Paul even, and uh, and these other guys take a, a closer look to really appreciate. There you go, uh, Jazz and Nuggets, six o'clock pregame, seven o'clock tip off tonight. If you missed it, Donovan Mitchell has been reevaluated. He uh, will be out yet another week, but he is making progress on that sprained ankle. That's your Jazz at thirty update, brought to you by Syringa Networks. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O' Tires. Just doing it big, you know. Stop by your locally owned Big O' Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O' Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Big Show 97.5-1280 The Zone. I'm Austin Horton here with Gordon Monson. Do you like this music? I do. It's like it's not over the top uh, uh, peppy, but it's not really slow either. It's like right in the middle. I like that. It's yeah, an easy yeah. Friday to listen. Yeah, Choir Boy is our band of the day. They're a local band here out of Salt Lake City. Apparently they've had quite a bit of success already, but uh, yeah, I, I like them and uh, yeah. Good on Choirboy. Check them out, choirboy.bandcamp.com. All right, Gordon, uh, you saw the latest in the NHL, I assume. Do you have anything else left on the list? I forgot to ask. No, pretty much. We've exhausted uh, the list? Yeah, we did. Okay, before I get to the latest on that NHL thing, we had Howard Beck on last segment, and he was talking about, or his piece in Sports Illustrated is talking about uh, when you think of Showtime Lakers, you think of Pat Riley. When you think of the 90s Bulls, you think of Phil Jackson, along with all the players. When you think of LeBron, you don't really think of a coach. You think Although, of all the coaches that he's kind of yeah, run out of tandem. Yeah, as far as the tandem goes. But I think Eric Spolster is highly thought of, uh, maybe on his own. But uh, they won a nice championship with LeBron. He did. And win without him, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, the partnership thing is kind of tricky because these guys do tend to move around. Yeah, he then left Spolstra yeah. to go back to Cleveland. and. Uh, but I, it got it me. The, it was for the kids. It's right, yeah, both times. <laughs> <laughs> so when he left, it, what, what does that say? Yeah, not for you anymore. I'm going to L.A. Woo! <laughs> it got me curious though about who the highest paid coaches are in the NBA. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. I would say Popovich, just out of seniority, would be number one. You'd be right. Uh, and this this piece calls him the Universal Yoda of the NBA. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Okay. Greg Popovich it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would imagine Steve Kerr is second. He's not. So Pop makes $11 million a season. Uh-huh. Steve is second, but it's Steve Nash. Steve Nash? First-year rookie head coach wow. making just under $9 million a season. Doc Rivers at three at $8 million. Steve Kerr is fourth. That Now, it's they both make $8 million, but in some change, so they just rounded How's he get by? I don't, I don't know. Real estate in the San Francisco area is very expensive. <laughs> Nick Nurse followed by Rick Carlisle, Scott Brooks, Tyron Lue. Nick Lew. Nurse? Nick Nurse. Well, he won a title. Yeah. Uh, Tyron Lue is eight. Billy Donovan of the Bulls is nine. The guy who didn't know what a Euro foul was. <laughs> and number 10 in the NBA coaches the powerhouse Detroit Pistons, Dwayne Casey. Where's Quinn? Not in the top ten, my friend. Six million a season for Dwayne Casey. Well, in all due respect to Dwayne Casey, but his teams just don't really produce all that well. Hmm. He might be a great coach and has not good players. I'm not sure. You know, but anywho, yeah, I, I'm not Ryan Smith, and I don't pay the bills. But uh, I might, uh, I might look into maybe uh, Jack and Quinn Snyder's contract up a tad bit. You might might want to think about it because we had uh, Sam Amick on yesterday and he wrote a piece for The Athletic about coach hot seats and Terry Stotts is on that list. Mm -hmm. And there have been some rumblings and reports out of the Portland area, mind you, but that uh, Quinn Snyder would be one of the first, if not the only phone call they'd make if oh, they part really? ways with Terry. Wow. Who said that? Uh, a guy, an insider for the, uh, an insider, a, a, like a guy for the Blazers, kind of like, uh, do you remember Dan Sheldon from yeah. KUTV? Uh -huh. He works with this guy. So they're out there covering the Blazers. 
Well, there's only one thing to do. Give Quinn a raise. <laughs> Quinn Snyder. And again, we're not Ryan Smith. And we <laughs> it's haven't. It's easy to spend other people's money. Oh, isn't I, it? I love doing it. Uh, and maybe Quinn's fine. Maybe Ryan Smith has tried and Quinn's been like, nah, don't, I don't know. But anyway, he should be in the top 10 paid coaches of I the think NBA. So, yeah. mm-hmm. he's, he's definitely in the top 10 coaches, period. I agree with that. I think he's in the top three. He might be the number one guy in the league right now, but he's not in the top ten salary. Well, as 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 brilliant as Quinn is, and and I I'm I I think he's terrific. Uh, you can't you can't put him ahead of Popovich. Popovich has accomplished too much in his career, right? But how he coaches currently, I've got a big problem with. Well, maybe, but yeah. what what do you have a problem with? That he is absolutely feet cemented, stubborn, heels to the ground, in love with the mid range game. Yeah, but he doesn't have any three point shooters. Well, isn't doesn't he have something to do with that there in San Antonio at this point? No, he doesn't have any say in who the person. Oh, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, they tell Greg Popovich yeah. to stay in his lane, huh? <laughs> I got the, this coach. In fact, I don't think he even is head coach anymore. I think he's president of the team and also is the coach. I think he's some sort of oracle that lives in a mount on a mountain somewhere with growing the hair out. They, the they call him the uh, Yoda of the NBA. Yoda, yeah, Yoda. Mm. He does have. Should I do my Yoda impersonation? No. I mean, I you should always. No. But I don't know if that's what I would call it. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that just got me looking at it, and then real quickly, this NHL thing. Tom Wilson wants to say he's sorry. Oh, does he now? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just drove your head straight into the ice. He wants to move on. Of course he does. No word from the Rangers on that end, though. Yeah. Um, If I were that guy, I think I I would be paying the victim uh, half my salary for the rest of the year. (laughs) Or all of next year, too. Yeah, he got away with it. All right, coming up next, not sports report time, but right now, 855-340-ZONE. The Bees are back in business, baby. They lost 5-4 to four last night in thrilling fashion. Uh, is that right? If they lose and the people want them to win, can it still be thrilling? I think so. But it's a good time out of the ballpark. If you want to go Sunday, we've got a four-pack for you. Be caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. You'll get to go see the Bees on Sunday with you and three others. 855-340-ZONE. Not Sports Report next. Report time here on the big show brought to you each and every day by LHM used car supermarket over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory shop online at LHMusedcars.com. Before we get today's report, Gordon, yesterday's report about the guy that moved the borders of Belgium and France yes. accidentally uh-huh. has absolutely caught fire. It's been viral today, oh, that really? story. So uh, you, you were ahead of the curve a bit there, my mm. friend. Well, uh, well, there, there are trendsetters, uh, <laughs> then there are those who follow. I see. You're a shepherder, not a shepherd, <laughs> not a sheep. Yeah. I've been called worse. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want today's? I would love today's Not Sports Report. What I have in front of me is a list of the most dangerous islands in the world. <laughs> I love islands, uh-huh. as you know. 
I've heard that. I live on one half the time, right? I mean, but I mean, then I visit. I visit some on occasion. Don't you own one? No, I do. Or not. did you move on from that? No. <laughs> Wasn't but the right time. <laughs> let me give you an example. Let me give you three examples of dangerous islands. Okay. Okay. And these are beautiful places. Beautiful places. All right. Except for they'll kill you. The first one is, and I don't speak uh, whatever language this is. It's called Illa Illa de Quemada. Nailed it. Translated, that is a Snake Island, and for <laughs> good reason. Apparently, uh, the island, it's off the coast of Brazil. It's completely covered with venomous snakes. How? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. According to reports, there are five golden lancehead vipers to every square meter of land, oh up to 4,000 total on the small island. Oh, my gosh. Uh, no, thank you. The vipers can grow up to half a meter long and are among the most poisonous species in the world. And it's said that the venom can melt flesh and kill within an hour. Melt flesh? Yeah, that's what it says. What is this, Jurassic Park? <laughs> Where is this place? It's off the coast of Brazil. And no one's Let's lived, nuke it. <laughs> no one's lived on Snake Island for more than a century after a lighthouse keeper there was killed by the serpents when they got in through an open window. So yeah, let's 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 bury that thing deep in the ocean out the there. The Brazilian Navy has banned civilians from traveling to the island. Probably wise, but when you ban people from things, then they suddenly want to go there. North Sentinel Island in the Indian Ocean is another beautiful place where you'll get killed. Apparently, <laughs> there is a a tribe of inhabitants there who don't uh, don't like visitors. Okay. You might have heard about this guy, this American missionary in about two or three years ago yeah. that went there. He went there to, to convert the uh, islanders to Christianity. Yeah, sure. Well, they shot him dead with uh, their arrows. With They were like poisonous dipped arrows. Yes. Weren't they? Yeah. yeah, and then they dragged his body off to who knows where. Uh, stay away from that island. And then Everybody deserves vacation. <laughs> then there's this one you may have heard of. Fight B Island? Bikini Atoll. Isn't that where SpongeBob lives? <laughs> Bikini, Bikini Bottom? Bottom. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bikini, Bikini Atoll. Bikini Atoll uh, in I the see. Pacific. And, uh, where they the, tested the bombings, yes, right? The yeah. U.S. military used it as a nuclear test site after World War, World War II. Apparently, 23 bombs have been dropped on the coral reef there, including one in 1954 that was 1,100 times larger than the infamous Hiroshima atom bomb. Um, residents were told to move before they started doing the testing. <laughs> how how far before? Like, <laughs> like, are we talking ten minutes? Are we talking ten months? How far in advance were you told to move? I, I don't know. It doesn't have that information. Was the, were there town halls held where you could make public comment about please <laughs> don't drop moving? please don't drop a bomb on my house? <laughs> we are not moving. I oppose the motion, City Council. I don't. Uh, Apparently, the island is so contaminated um, that uh, no one can exist there. Are they still? Who owns Bikini Atoll? What nation does that belong to? <laughs> Nobody anymore. Uh, no one wants apparently it. Apparently, the U.S. military. <laughs> <laughs> they made it theirs. Huh? I think there's a there's an island in a in a in the Hawaiian chain that's just off uh, from Maui that uh, that so much bombing was tested on that island during the war. That uh, there are 
unexploded bombs, and they don't like people going over there anymore. Bombs that could still explode? Yes. Conceivably? I, I, yes, I think so. Oh, my God. So here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the problem. Here's the contradiction here. You have these beautiful places, sandy beaches, but you can't go there. Yeah, uh, but snakes would freak me out. By the way, I, I, which of, which of those would be the worst? <laughs> I was gonna say, would you rather go hang out with on Snake Island with um, half a meter long snake venom with venom that'll melt your skin? <laughs> would you rather go to the Headhunter Island in the Indiana Indiana Ocean Indian Ocean, or would you rather go hang out in Bikini Atoll with Chernobyl uh, <laughs> stuff? Oh man, you're gonna die no matter where you go. I think I'll take my chances with Snake Island of all out of the three of them. <laughs> That's pretty tough when they're all around you. Apparently, Bikini Atoll belongs to the Marshall Island. Oh, okay, and they moved all of the people. One hundred people. Uh, there were three families on Bikini Island in 1970 still, and really? they've moved them. To wait a minute, they started bombing. They started testing bombs. They're back in the 50s. The, a Bikini Island. Not Bikini Atoll. Oh, okay. Yeah, is, that, yeah. is that adjacent to? Yeah, they, well, yeah, and that's my point is they gathered everyone up in Bikini Atoll and said, we've got a nice place for you to live. That was right next to Bikini Atoll. <laughs> it's a bomb. <laughs> Being next door is not going to help. <laughs> you got to be further away, don't you? Oh, man. What if someone just rolled up to the to your neighborhood and knocked on the door and said, You got to move. Uh, tomorrow the water will be off and uh, we're dropping a bomb at 3 well, p.m. Well, they have done that when they were building freeways and stuff. Uh, what do they call that? Isn't that uh, eminent domain or something? Yeah, it's been happening uh, up on Highway 89 in Davis County. Oh, really? Yeah. So people... Their are, houses are they're, raised. They're, they're paid market value. Yeah. They have no choice. Correct. It's going to happen. <laughs> So take the money Austin, and move, or Austin, with a guy with your luck, it's gonna happen, dude. It's it, it, it's unbelievable that you mentioned that because when we were moving, finding a space, a place to build our home, I I made sure to ask the city, what is the plan with this road that's right, and, and they were like, oh no, you'll be fine. I was like, we're not, and we didn't pick that place really. Because you know that you wouldn't be fine. They would somehow decide, you know what needs to go here? An airport. All right, coming up next, we'll hear from Udoka Azabuki. He's been upgraded to probable for tonight's game uh, against the Nuggets. We'll get more into the Jazz Nuggets and get you ready for pregame starting at 6 o'clock here on The Big Show.